You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Sur and the Kodan Armada. Alex Rogan had a dream. You really are leaving here, aren't you? Alex Rogan. Alex? Alex. Is the last Starfighter. Greetings and welcome once again to Treks in Sci-Fi, the weekly Star Trek sci-fi and fantasy entertainment podcast for all of you to listen uh, at your leisure. (laughs) I am Rico, your host, and this week we're going to be looking at a great uh, movie from the 80s called The Last Starfighter. But uh, first, today is August the 28th, 2011. It is podcast 346. But uh, yes, we're going to look at The Last Starfighter. I've mentioned this uh, on probably a good handful of podcasts before as a favorite of mine, but I've never done a whole podcast covering it, talking about the movie, the background on it, some things and details about it, and what I really love about it, and and all that good stuff. So we're going to be covering that in depth today. And we've got a lot of comments. I guess this was something that I may, maybe should have covered a long time ago because you guys really seem to respond to this one. I've got a good probably six or so, six, maybe more uh, audio comments from listeners, from uh, friends of the show that uh, have sent in their thoughts on The Last Starfighter. So that's great. And it gives me a chance to hear what you have to say and comment on it as well. So that's going to take up today's podcast mostly. i got a few other things to talk about as well, as usual. But uh, let's get uh, rolling. And to start us off, uh, you can tell that I really like The Last Starfighter because one of the only promos I've ever, audio promos I've done for uh, Treks and Sci-Fi uses the uh, music from the uh, the movie, which I love. Love the music, love the movie. And here is, uh, just to give you a feel for that, uh, here is the audio promo for Treks and Sci-Fi using the last Starfighter music. I'm going to play that for you right now, and I'll be back, and we'll get going on the show. The Treks in Sci-Fi Podcast. Stand by to receive our transmission. Sci-fi entertainment news and commentary. I am Locutus, a Borg. Star Trek episode analysis. Captain of the USS Enterprise. Pokey religions and ancient weapons. Collectibles, toy, and prop reviews. I am to misbehave. The weekly Treks in Sci-Fi podcast with your host Rico at treksinsci-fi.com. Oh, yes, I really need to sit down and uh, create some more promos and some special uh, snippets for other uh, podcasts that uh, have been spun off and friends of uh, my show that have done their own podcast or are doing their own podcast now. i got to really do that. 
create some more audio uh, out there. But anyway, yeah, so it's uh, pretty obvious I love this movie, love the music, and we'll be talking about that here shortly. A couple things to uh, just talk about briefly to begin with. Uh, first, uh, I hope everyone enjoyed that uh, uh, kind of different show last week where we uh, did the Skype call and talked about the TNG episode, Timescape. Uh, it was uh, it was fun to do. I really want to do more of those, maybe, maybe one... Uh, I don't know if we'll get one in September, but uh, if we don't, it'll definitely be one in October. But that was a lot of fun. Always good to do, and and it's a little tricky to balance the audio, but uh, you know it is what it is. And uh, sometimes it's um, you know, especially when you're on Skype and you're talking to about six, seven other people, it's a little tricky to uh, coordinate that. I don't think there are too many. Uh, I don't think there are too many podcaster shows out there that try to do things like that with that many. It may be too many, but hey, I, I always hate to exclude anyone. I think way back in the early days of Skype and audio uh, calls, there were limits on the number of people. I don't know what it is, what that is right now. I don't even know how much, if there is one or where it tops off and how many people you can have join a call. But I think it worked well, and, and we're going to do some more of those Uh for this uh, past week, I've been busy as usual. Some things going on around the house. Cut down some, uh, cut down some dead trees in our backyard yesterday, which was kind of crazy. And uh, if you want to see a little video of that, there, I put it up on the forum, Treks and Sci-Fi forum. By the way, I, I should have, or I should mention occasionally, you can always get to the main website using treksinsci-fi.com. But if you want a shortcut to that. Just type uh, the old URL, the one I first started with, which is just treksf, just treksf.com, and that redirects you to the main site anyway. But yeah, we were cutting down these trees, uh, and um, they that was <laughs> it's a lot of work, and uh, I've still got to cut a lot of that stuff up uh, in the back. But the uh, if you want to go over to YouTube, if you're not a forum member, I think my YouTube uh, name over there, uh, just search treksf. Or I think probably Treks in Sci-Fi will do it for you, too. Uh, I think the name of the video I put up was called Novice Lumberjack. So check that out. It's not very long. I did it on my iPad, actually. And uh, I, I finally uh, I played around with iMovie for the first time, really. It's it's okay. I, I think uh, outside the quality of the iPad, what it films is, is pretty good. It's pretty nice uh, with a lot of light and all that. But iMovie, from someone who's used a lot of uh, video editing on, on my PC, it, it's certainly got its limitations. There's not a lot you can do with it. Uh, it's it's pretty pretty limited. It's nice. I know why they do it that way a little bit. You know, the iMovie version, I should say, for the iPad, because they, they want people to have an easy time of just slapping together a video and then putting a, up on the web. But, uh, you know, from somebody who's used to doing more transitions and, and interesting things, adjusting audio levels, uh, a little finer control on editing, all, all that, it, it's a little, uh, you know, a little limiting, of course. But for a quick little video, it, it was kind of fun, and I, it was gave me an excuse to try it out. So I uh, did that uh, using... Uh, the lumberjack movie for uh, with iMovie. Uh, the other thing that happened the other day, which was kind of bothersome for me at least a little, I tried to go see the new Conan movie, and I thought I had looked at the times right. I always try to pay attention when something's in 3D because I'm not really interested in seeing many movies at all in in 3D and 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 paying the extra money. And I just I just don't like the awkwardness of wearing the glasses, and I, I also think there's too many of these movies that have been converted over from standard to 3D and converted to 3D. It's just a, to me, it's just a money grab, and I don't think they're really all that worth uh, seeing that way. 
So, uh, but when I got to the theater, it was the showtime that I had thought was uh, the one I was, or that I wanted to go to was only in 3D. And the next uh, non-3D showing was like hours later. So I just left. I just said, hey, you know, no, I'm not doing it. And uh, I mean, I heard mixed things about the Conan movie. I'd still like to see it at the theater, but I don't know now if I'm going to go back and bother to give it another chance. So, uh, hey, you guys who convert these things to 3D, see what you did? And I've heard uh, for uh, recent times, especially movies that are kind of getting, you know, maybe not the best reviewed or mixed reviews, I've heard a lot of uh, people saying that they're not only, you know, kind of bothered by it, but, you know, the uh, a movie that may be only so-so, to spend that extra money and, and go see it in 3D, you know, is, uh, you know, kind of a waste, I feel, to them and to a lot of people. So I think this whole, oh, we can cash in more and put movies out in 3D and make more money, I think it could have an opposite effect to a degree with some of the movies that maybe not as popular and, and maybe not as good or not as well-reviewed. So just something to think about that I wanted to share with all of you. <laughs> um, I, uh, that's about all that's been going on the last week or so with me. I've uh, got, uh, you know, some home projects still to do. The roof's all done. That's good. And uh it got a few gutters to adjust and, and, and a couple pieces to put up and new ones and, and things. But yeah, everything's pretty good. My son, the younger son, is going out back to college today. Uh, so things are, you know, winding down for the summer and, and fall is approaching. And uh, the weather here hasn't been too bad. Oh, I do want to say, you know, for those of you out there listening who have been affected by Hurricane Irene, I, I hope things are okay. I hope you're safe. That's the main thing. Hope you guys are well and safe. Everything else can be fixed and, you know, pumped out and, and cleaned up. So I, I hope you uh, are doing okay. It, it looks pretty crazy out there. I, sometimes, you know, Michigan isn't the greatest place to live in the whole world weather-wise. We have some, you know, winters that are too long and kind of some nasty weather then. But we're, we're a fairly stable area. You know, we don't get hurricanes. We don't get earthquakes. We don't get 110-degree temperatures for three months and, and crazy stuff like that. It, uh you know, we have our share of, of winter and snow and, and ice and cold weather, but most of that you can survive, and it's and and things are pretty well built here to, to handle it. And uh, it just if the snowplows finally get out on the road and, and the cities and the budgets pay for them. <laughs> but anyway, sometimes I when I see all these disasters going on, I, I, I kind of go, you know, maybe Michigan isn't so bad of a place to live. So uh, I just, again, hope you guys are doing okay and uh, just be safe. So uh, I'm going to take a short break here. I'm going to come back and talk real brief about a few bits of news, sci-fi and, and Trek and that, and then we'll get into The Last Starfighter. Attention, attention, it's finally here, the first and only podcast dedicated to one of the most groundbreaking television series in history, MASH. Join the hosts of MASH 4077 Podcast, Kenny, Meds, and Al, as they discuss their thoughts episode by episode. They will also share with you some little-known behind-the-scenes information, trivia, and so much more. Find them on iTunes by searching MASH 4077 Podcast or online at www.mash4077.podbean.com. Okay, uh, as far as Trek stories, not a lot. Again, uh, still, they keep saying there's going to be news on the movie soon, very soon, uh, as far as probably announcing maybe a new release date, uh, a starting filming date perhaps, perhaps even a script uh, that it's done, maybe a subtitle or whatever they're going to title the movie. 
uh, announcement for the director and, and all that. Should be sometime in the next month, maybe two. Uh, just uh, keep dangling this thing out there for us. Uh, so we'll keep uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, uh, I wanted to mention that, uh, of course, we've talked a couple times about Netflix streaming Star Trek. It looks like Amazon uh, Prime members, which uh, you can join Amazon Prime, get your free shipping, and I think some other little uh, add-ons uh, and, and things for that. And, get, and it will also allow you to, to view all of Star Trek, all the TV Trek streaming. And uh, I was just reading here a little bit of, of what people say, are saying about it. You can actually see Deep Space Nine there, which isn't on Netflix. Netflix yet, at least in the States. I know other areas haven't gotten this yet. Uh, they're saying the quality is pretty comparable, although I'm hearing some people say that the quality may be a little bit improved, the streaming on uh, in Amazon in some cases, but maybe on Netflix in, in, in a couple of the other showcases. It looks a little bit, uh, you know, a, a lot of times streaming can be dependent on your connection at the time you try it. So uh, it's it's difficult to say. It doesn't look like one is vastly superior to the other. They do mention that the menuing and searching functions on Amazon for watching the streaming stuff there, the streaming Trek, is a little more awkward and complicated and not as easy to use as Netflix. I think I still think Netflix, you know, you get so much other content is probably the better deal. But if you are, the big thing, I guess, if you're already a member of Amazon Prime, it's one more way to watch Trek uh, streaming online. I'm not sure what devices can view this, uh, whether you can do it via, uh, you know, a, an Xbox, a PlayStation for Amazon Prime. Obviously, I know you can do Netflix. I think with Xbox, you need a gold membership and so forth. But, you know, check it out if you are in the U.S. especially. Uh, it's a nice way. It's really it's really cool on the iPad, at least, to just pop Netflix up and, wa- and pick an episode to watch uh, from Trek when you feel like it. It's it's very convenient. It looks good. You know, the nice thing about a small, you know, 10-inch screen, streaming pretty much any um, decent quality episode on there looks looks good. When you blow it up to, like, my large TV on, on 60 inches, it looks pretty good still, but it, it's it's... You know, it doesn't look quite as sharp and crisp and nice uh, as it does on a 10-inch screen, of course, when it's all shrunk down. So uh, that's one advantage. And with the, you know, the iPad, you can just have it sitting on your lap and and that and, and watch along uh, with whatever you'd like. So, um, you know, this is not an iPad commercial, even though Steve Jobs left uh, uh, his position as CEO this week. Uh, that was a big tech story, and uh, we won't talk too much, except uh, we wish Steve the best. He certainly did a lot for Apple and and the whole world of technology, uh, and, and I think uh, it uh, hopefully Apple will uh, continue to do great things, uh, even with him stepping down. So uh, we'll see how that works out. Uh, what else did I want to mention? Not a lot of sci-fi on TV right now. Uh, we've still got, of course, some, star, uh, I was going to say Stargate, not Stargate, uh, Warehouse 13 and Eureka. Uh, the uh, Those shows are continuing. I think we've got a few more episodes for the summer. Uh, I'm enjoying a lot. I, I, I don't know how much I've talked about this show before, but I'm really enjoying this new show on the Sci-Fi Channel called Alphas. I was mixed and, and wondering how much I would like it. Uh, when it started, but each episode I find that I like the show more and more, and they're getting some good guest stars too. Summer Glau was just on the most recent episode, and uh, I think uh, Brent Spiner is going to be on an episode, and a couple other Star Trek uh, alums are going to show up. So, uh, you know, check it out. Uh, I, I think it's well worth watching. I like the characters, and, and, and it's a very cool show. 
I don't know uh, how long there is a de- of a delay when they show it online, if you can catch up on over on sci-fi.com or Hulu or where, but uh, check out Alphas when you get a chance. I, I, th- I think you might enjoy it, and uh, I'm enjoying it. Uh, it. It's a fun show. I really like the character of Gary on there, especially. He seems to be a, a funny uh funny character, funny actor, and uh, I'm liking it a lot. Oh, and the other big sci-fi, more of a sci-fi slash fantasy show, but Doctor Who returned with the second part of Series 6, as those guys in the UK call it. Uh, And it was, I watched it last night on HD, uh, on uh, BBC HD America, or whatever, BBC America HD, I don't know, (laughs) too long of a title. But anyway, uh, this, uh, the new episode that came out was uh, Let's Kill Hitler, I think was the name of it. Oh, it was just bloody fantastic. I loved it, and uh, it's just... I, you know, there's a whole kind of, and I'm not going to give anything away because I know you guys and know how you'd feel about that since the show was just on last night. But there's a big story arc and a lot of things going on in the show right now. And I'm loving what they're doing with that. I, I like archetype stories. I, th- I find that, you know, I, I'm okay with shows that have mostly standalone type episodes. But, uh, you know, series that I think I really get into the most and, and feel kind of passionate about and, and, you know, really end up having a lot of archetype stories. You know, I, I can use examples like the current uh, show Breaking Bad, which I love a lot. There's there's an ongoing story. It's not just this thing happens this week and then something totally unrelated happens the next. Uh, the TV show Dexter, True Blood, these cable shows, uh, really good, have, have overall story arcs going on per season. And Doctor Who is doing like the same kind of thing now. And, you know, they've done this off and on over Doctor Who seasons, and sometimes they have sort of standalone episodes, and then they get back to an arc that's going on. But they're definitely into an ongoing story, and I'm really loving how they're just intricately have all this thing. There must be some huge whiteboard wherever the writers and the guys that work on Doctor Who all hang out, because to, to get all these things to sort of mesh up and be be all all fit together i mean you got a guy here uh the doctor who can travel through you know time and space and pretty much go anywhere or anytime and and with everything that's going on with him to keep all you know keep all that in line and track of all that is got to be an amazing you know it's not just like a simple story where there's something happens and then another thing and then you get to a uh, a final conclusion that you know everything gets sort of jumbled and mixed together and shaken up and, and and I just think it's great and I love love the actors the music and the look it's just all a really really cool show if uh, you are not watching Doctor Who you really should be if you are well, listening to this podcast and either you've not watched Doctor Who or not watched much of it you really really need to watch this show it is just great and I, I can't say enough good things about it it really gets me going and uh, I find that it's uh, something I look forward to seeing, and I'm so glad that it's back. I think there's maybe six episodes we get now or something like that. I don't know. They usually do about 12, 13, 14, I think, for their whole season series. So uh, I'm sure you can find all that out online over on the BBC or, or wherever and other places, Doctor Who sites. And you guys can look that up on your own, you know, good old Google. But uh, watch Doctor Who. You definitely should be doing that. So that's enough for now. I am going to um, I'm going to take a short break, and while I take this break, we're going to get into and, and get geared up to be talking about the last Starfighter. Yes, yes, this great movie from I think it's 1984. I'll double check on that while I'm playing the uh, trailer, 
This is the movie trailer, uh, or the trailer for the movie, uh, called The Last Starfighters. So listen to this, and I will be back, and we will talk about this fantastic movie from the 80s. Alex Rogan had a dream. You really are leaving here, aren't you? To be as far away from here as possible. You get your chance. When it comes, you gotta grab it with both hands. It started with a game. You gonna bust the record. But it wasn't just any game. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Sur and the Kodan Armada. And then, one night... Centauri's the name. We have to talk about a matter of utmost importance. Step into my office. I've seen him come and I've seen him go, but you're the best, my boy. Light years ahead of the competition. Hey. Alex didn't find his dream. my boy a world on the brink of destruction you were recruited by the Starling to, to defend... defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada of all the life forms on all the planets in all the galaxies been chosen. Alex Rogan. Alex? I'm Alex. Is the last Starfighter. For every Earthling who's ever imagined traveling beyond the stars. Maybe there is a Starfighter left. I love you, Alex Rogan the unforgettable story of one who made it. <laughs> the Last Starfighter. Okay, The Last Starfighter. This movie was first released on July 13th, 1984. So what is that... Uh, like uh, 27 years ago, yeah, about 27 years ago, it was made for a budget of 15 million dollars. Uh, the box office was about double that, almost 29 million. So it did pretty well, you know, a modest, a modest type of movie, not a huge, huge blockbuster hit by any means, but it, it made its money back and made a bit of a profit. Uh, this uh, movie, uh, The Last Starfighter, starred Lance Guest, Robert Preston, Catherine Mary Stewart, Dan O'Hurley. Uh, Norman Snow, the music is by Craig Safon, and directed by Nick Castle, and written by a guy named Jonathan Butel, uh, which we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, the The basic premise of this movie is is something that's very familiar to uh, to all of us sci-fi geeks and fans. Uh, you've got a, uh, a, a teenage boy uh, who is um, uh, played, or the Lance Guest character, 
or actor plays uh, Alex Rogan. And he's, uh, you know, he's this guy that's kind of always looking off to the horizon in the future, a very Luke Skywalker type of character. And he lives in this trailer park with his with his mom and his and his little brother, and but he he dreams of bigger and better things, and what the movie gets its name from is there is a video game in this trailer park where Alex lives called The Last Starfighter, and this is something that Alex plays a lot of and is very good at. He uh, he is very very good at it, and uh, what this uh, turns out to be, and, and again. Uh, I'll just say at the beginning of most of my talk here, this is movie. It's been out 27 years, so there are going to be plenty of spoilers here if you've not seen this movie. So uh, stop now and go watch it if you want and don't want to be spoiled. But uh, the uh, the video game that Alex has uh, there in the trailer park that he plays very regularly and is good at, it turns out to be a, a little uh, sort of device that aliens uh, have planted in a way, specifically... Uh, this uh, one uh, character named Centauri, who ha- has distributed these video game systems throughout the uh, galaxy, the whatever, to recruit starfighters for a real star league that uh, will uh, defend the you know galaxy against Zur and the and the Kodan Armada, which it, it you know it, it has uh, always says during when he plays Alex plays the game, it says that so. What it is, you know, he's trying to find uh, people who can play this game, do well at it, has the reflexes and ability to to destroy these fighters as they're coming in at you and all of that. So it's kind of a cool idea because, uh, you know, you got to place the movie, too, in time and perspective. This movie was out in, in a really high-level time of, of video games, when video game arcades, Atari systems, when video games were really getting... I mean, video games and computer games are very popular these days, but this was the big splash and explosion of things when, when they were first really getting out and really becoming much more advanced than good old Pong used to be or whatever. So so the idea that some kid who would, would play this game go into a video arcade or go somewhere and it was testing him to be able to be a, this, you know, starfighter pilot to save to save all these planets and worlds that these bad guys were invading is a really neat and cool idea. Not super, super original, but uh, I'm going to play later in the show. There is a little bl- bit of... Uh, on the DVD, there's some making of stuff and behind-the-scenes th- things. But the uh, the author and the writer of this uh, movie, he got he basically got the idea and the premise for this when he was he was working and he went to a, into walked into an arcade one day, and uh, you know he saw some kid, some boy playing an arcade game. But he doesn't, I don't think, say exactly what game he's playing. But it sort of hit him that that uh, this was sort of uh, the, the new testing ground for kids and, and what, they would, what they were doing these days. And what if, what if one of these games really meant something, like it was really connected to some testing program or testing you know, situation of really finding out who could go out there and, and fly, fly a real starfighter or, or you know, be the weapons guy on it and actually save the universe. So uh, he'll explain it a little bit better than I probably could, but... Uh, I just wanted to say that that's kind of the idea, and there's sort of a an Arthur uh, comment in this, a King Arthur legend, where uh, it's a sort of a sword in the stone thing, you know, where the video game machine is the sword in the stone, and you want to find someone who is worthy and capable of pulling that sword from the stone, and that's Alex Rogan in, in the movie's case. So 
that's the premise. And of course, there's a lot more that goes on. Alex, Alex gets recruited, goes off and fights, and 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 of course saves the galaxy because he's the hero. But you know, the the last Star Fighter came out a year after Return of the Jedi, so it was pretty heavily influenced, of course, by the Star Wars movies and this sort of farm boy, uh, you know, guy in the Star Wars movie of Luke. Here you have this kid living in a trailer park, kind of not really having the best life in a way, perhaps, and is dreaming of much bigger things, very, very much like Luke did, you know, in the beginning of the first Star Wars film, and, and always kind of looking off to the future and the horizon and wanting to, uh, you know, get out there in the galaxy and, and save people and, and, and make a name for himself and all that kind of good stuff. So it, it's it's a great uh, story. Very well done, very well acted. And the other big thing, before we start playing some clips and talking more detail about the movie itself, this was uh, probably the, the 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 biggest and first movie that made real extensive use of CGI, computer-generated effects, for a film. Inste- instead of using physical models, which they had done for years, uh, just about everything in this movie that you see uh, is 3G, 3D-rendered spaceships and battles and all of that out there. Uh, the Gunstar uh, ships and other things were uh, by an art, a design artist who's worked on a lot of films called Ron Cobb. And uh, he also worked on things like Alien, Star Wars, Conan the Barbarian, the first one. Uh, the uh, The computer graphics for the film were done by a company called Digital Productions. And they had to actually use a Cray supercomputer to render the, the graphics for this movie. So you, you may see this film now and it looks kind of dated, the effects and all compared to what we get these days. Uh, but uh, you know, keep in mind, it, it you know it's it's from 27 years ago, and they needed a Cray computer to do it, where you could probably do you know 100 times this on your own personal computer in your house these days with the right software. So it, it's uh, but I think it's 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 very cool to to you know just and uh, to see that and and its place in history and everything these days. You know, very very few movies use it for spaceships and models and things like that. Do any kind of physical models? They're all done with with computers. Computers, and they can make them look pretty realistic, even getting to the point where you can make characters and people and aliens look right there in the film with you and look very realistic. So it's it's come a huge, long way, but you had to have something to start us here. And, you know, a few months ago uh, when Jeff and I talked about Tron, that was another groundbreaking CGI-type movie, and and this is another one, uh, The Last Starfighter. So let me play uh, one of the early clips for the movie, and I will be right back. Alex, did it come yet? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. What's it this time, Rogan? You joining the Foreign Legion? <laughs> yes, sir, folks, step right up. Meet boy adventurer Alex Rogan on the last leg of his worldwide tour to nowhere. <laughs> Funny, Blake. You guys think I'm gonna hang out here, watch you shine your pickup, go to the drive-in, get drunk and throw up every Saturday night, go to City College like everybody else. Forget it, man, I'm doing something with my life. Yeah? Oh, my, that's going to take all day. I was, I was going to Silver Lake. Honey, I know. I'm sorry. It, it's, I'm working lunch and dinner. I'm going to be in town all day. Oh, all right. Okay, Ma. I'll do it. Thanks, honey. Look, you, uh, you better just go ahead with Allie. No, Alex, I'll stay. No, that's okay. This will take a while. Um, I'll catch up with you later. Alex. <laughs> oh, no. 
Yeah, that clip you uh, you learn a little bit about Alex uh, and uh, you know a little bit about uh, his life and uh, you know he's got this girlfriend Maggie and his his friends are going to go off to this lake uh, and have uh, fun in the sun for the day and uh, Alex gets sort of pulled back in to fix some things at the trailer park and. You learn a little, you know, you learn about his character here where, you know, he feels a responsibility for things like that and he doesn't just walk away from that. And that's important, I think, to, to establish, <laughs> yes, Rico can't speak today, to establish the kind of guy he is, the kind of person he is, where later on, you know, it comes into play as well, where he doesn't feel like he, he at first tries to resist and, and walk away from being this chosen starfighter pilot, but eventually he gets sort of pulled back into it. And he, you know, I think uh, it shows that he's not just this, you know, goofy kid who plays video games and all that. And I, I, I like that a lot. There, there's a, there's a lot to this movie that's just very, very, kind of, uh, very charming and very kind of old uh, style of making uh, films. It's a very Steven Spielberg kind of uh, made movie. Uh, the director, Nick Castle, who's done other films, uh, are really a lot of really nice films. The funny thing about him is uh, he uh, started out doing some acting, and one of his uh, most famous acting jobs, I don't know if you call it really acting exactly, but he uh, was in the original first Halloween film. He actually was the guy who wore the mask and played Michael Myers, the 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 you know, the crazy guy that chased everyone around and, you know, slashed at them and all that in the first Halloween movie directed by John Carpenter. So that's Nick Castle under the mask. The the William Shatner mask is what it is actually in the uh, in the movie. So Nick Castle started out doing stuff like that and then eventually moved on and uh, did some acting. And he has a really good sense of, of his actors and the characters in this film, I think, that, that make it uh, a very memorable and really a good movie and much better than even just the the, the story and and the, and the just the idea of it is that's when it comes down to things in movies I've said a lot of times for movies and TV that is what makes things something really cool and really great versus just it's okay you know do you like the actors do you like the characters do you like the the way they handle themselves and everything like that and if you can identify with them and you enjoy that I think even a fairly ordinary story can be really really good so that's uh, something i think that's important to think about and at least that's something that i always try to think about uh, what i want to do on this show a little differently uh and i've done this sometimes before i guess so it's not that different is i'm going to intersperse as i go through talking about the movie and playing clips from that i'm going to intersperse clips from you guys since i've got about six of them here to play for you and uh, i'm going to just slip these in uh, here and there and it, who knows if they'll be talking about the movie before i talk about certain parts of it it doesn't really matter but rather than playing all these uh, audio comments that you guys sent in at the very end of the podcast i'm going to slip them in you know just mix it up and, and have them running through the show so uh first up we've got uh will this is will and uh he sends in comments pretty regular now which is great and uh his comments about the last starfighter so here's will hello everybody this is will and i wanted to send in a comment on the movie the last starfighter I'm glad Rico decided to cover this movie. It's one that I haven't seen for a long time. And even though I had bought the Blu-ray not long ago, I decided, you know, hey, it's time to watch this before I hear the podcast. So I had a chance to watch it today, and I really enjoyed it. I definitely give the movie a 9. It's one of those movies that, you know, of course the story has to build up, but I think it just gets better and better as the movie goes along. Uh, 
the uh, story was good. It's it's a, I think original story. The actors were really good in it. The actors that play Centauri and Grig were both um, actually I guess well-known actors at the time. I wasn't familiar with them, but um, there is a special on the disc called Heroes of the Screen, and they actually talk about those two guys quite a bit. Uh, Grig Grig is actually an older gentleman, and I wouldn't know that if I hadn't watched that special on there. It's an extra on the Blu-ray. But the, a couple of my parts that I really like are when Greg and Alex are in the Starfighter and they're heading out to the frontier. And um, they're talking and Alex asks, you know, how are we going to, what's our plan and everything? And Greg goes, well, he goes, I'll figure it out um, by the time we get to the frontier. And right after he says that, you hear this alarm going off and Alex goes, what's that? And Greg goes, the frontier. I just thought that was really funny. Um, also... I mean, there's a lot of neat parts in it. The special effects are really cool. They're not going to be like your Star Wars and your Star Trek special effects. They're almost like a video game special effect, but I thought they were really well done, and they look really nice on a uh, Blu-ray. The uh, ending is probably another part that you know just really, really kind of gets you because it's just so well done. All the actors do a great job in it. And then uh, when he's coming down on off of the ship, after it lands and, and Maggie's waiting on him and he comes and they talk and of course she ends up of course obviously going with him. I just thought that was a really cool part and especially when his brother jumps up on that um, bench so he can start playing that game. I just thought very well done. And the music in the movie is also really good and I hope I can find that maybe on a, a CD somewhere because I, I really liked it and I hadn't really realized how good that was until I heard it again. So anyway, again, thanks for covering The Last Starfighter. Um, it's a really good movie. I definitely recommend anybody that hasn't seen it to check it out. And especially if you get a chance to check it out on Blu-ray, do that. Thanks again, Rico. Everybody have a great day. Bye. Well, thanks very much, Will, for your comments about uh, The Last Starfighter. Yeah, those are some great parts. And uh, uh, the soundtrack uh, CD was out. I, I think it may be out of uh, print now, but you can. I just took a popped over on uh, Amazon, looked around. You can, it looks like you can buy some some used copies and, and some uh, other copies too that are new that cost more. I'm not sure. I didn't look at check iTunes yet. They may have a, a way to just download it too. They probably do. I'll try to check that in a few moments. But yeah, the mu music is great. Uh, Craig uh, Safon does the music and it's uh, just fits the movie very, very well. Very. There's a lot of innocence in this movie that I really like a lot, and I, I think the music kind of fits it real well. It's done with a pretty extensive... Uh, Uh-oh, Kaylee's all worked up, so uh, probably they're packing up the car to take my son back, uh, uh, Eric, to go back to school, and he's, she's probably getting all worked up. But uh, I'm going to take a break uh, myself. Well, I'm going to play another clip from the movie, so here you go with that. That's the one we want. Get out of here! 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 Get out
Yeah, that clip, uh, Alex, uh, is the scene where Alex breaks the record, breaks the bank, you know, pretty much completes the uh, the last Starfighter arcade game that's sitting there at the trailer park. And that's what starts the whole process and uh, sends off some kind of signal and attracts the, uh, uh, you know, Centauri to come back and come to Earth and rec- try to recruit him for, um, you know, this uh, this big battle and big mission that they've got going on. Again, Zur and the Kodan Armada. So uh, it's uh, and everyone, I like that scene a lot because you know everyone in the trailer park comes out and they're trying to root Alex on, and everyone's kind of behind him. And there's a friendliness and and, and a, a real kind of nice nature to this movie. I'm glad that there isn't really a you know really isn't a bully or there isn't you know uh, any really bad people hanging around there that much at the uh you know he's got there's a couple of the his friends the the guys the teenagers that are you know maybe not the nicest but no there's not really a big you know big bad guy on earth for him to deal with or anything like that everyone's real supportive of him and all that and uh i, I again i like that a lot so i think it works uh works real well for this uh for this very uh charming uh nice movie so let me play another uh, clip here uh, for you. This will be uh, someone else that has some comments about this movie. I think we're going to do Mark next and, and what he has to say about The Last Starfighter. Hey, Rico. This is Mark Daniels from the Great Pacific Northwest, and I'm M5 on the Trexa Sci-Fi board, and here's my comments for The Last Starfighter. I remember going to see this in the movie theater. I was either 20 or 21 uh, my best friend and, and my co-worker Mark went and we saw the trailer. We went to another movie and we saw a trailer and we were dying to see this movie. So we got up one morning before work and went to, to the movie and we really enjoyed it. Uh, the storyline of this this teenager who was about our age uh, playing video games, not realizing it was a recruitment tool. And then he's whisked off to outer space to fight the battle against Zur and the Kodan Armada. That was a great movie. One of the things I like the most about the movie is the soundtrack. It's one of the one of the few movie soundtracks that I listen to instead of music sometimes. The others being Star Trek The Motion Picture soundtrack and the Black Hole soundtrack. So that with the Last uh, Last Starfighter soundtrack are probably music I listen to on a regular basis. Anyway, the movie was great. It's probably one of the first films to use 3D graphics. I, I think it was. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I love the battle scenes. It was great. Um, my favorite characters in the movie would be Centauri, the con man from outer space. He might not have been a con man, but he kind of acted like a con man to me. And I really liked him. And they picked the perfect person to play him, Robert Preston. That role was made for him. The other person I liked a lot in the movie was Grig. Grig, the, he was his navigator co-pilot. He was really cool. I liked him. Um, you probably would remember him from RoboCop. He was one of the executives for the big mega corporation in the movie. So look for Dan O'Hillary. That's who he is. Um, if you look closely, you might see somebody who's familiar in the movie. Uh, the first interstellar hit beast. If you look closely at him, you might remember who he is. He's Mark Alimo from Deep Space Nine. He played Gal Dicott. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I, I noticed that. And I was like, oh, there's Golden Cop. Yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I can't say enough about it. I've got it on DVD, and I've watched it twice this week already, getting ready for this podcast. And I truly enjoy it. And I want to say thank you, Rico, for covering this movie. It's one of my favorites. And 
until the next dimension. This is M5 signing out. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, yeah, thanks for your comments, Mark. I really appreciate it. Great to hear from you. And, uh, yeah, this is a great movie, a lot of fun. Uh, you're right about uh, what you said about the actors. And uh, there's also another Star Trek face in this movie that yeah, plays a little kid. You know, you don't see him a lot in it, but look out and watch for Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton actually has a really small part. No lines, I don't think. I think they did do some lines and had some uh, scene or two for him filmed, but he they all got cut. But you'll see him in some of the background shots, a couple spots. And uh, I think he kind of hangs around with... Uh, Alex's little brother uh, in a couple of little bits in the movie. So keep an eye out for Will Wheaton as a a young uh, member of the little trailer park where they all live. So uh, watch out for that. And uh, here's another clip from the movie itself. Oh, yes. Say hello to my assistant, Beta. Howdy. I must congratulate you on your virtuoso performance, my boy. Centauri is impressed. I've seen him come and I've seen him go, but you're the best, my boy. Dazzling, light years ahead of the competition, which is why Centauri is here. He's got a little proposition for you. Are you interested? I guess. <laughs> hey. What are you doing? Listen. Centauri wants to keep it for a surprise. Trust me. Oh, you're going to love it. Love it. (laughs) The amusing thing about this, it's all a big mistake. That particular Starfighter game was supposed to be delivered to Vegas. Not some flea-speck trailer park in the middle of tumbleweeds and tarantulas. So it must be fate, destiny, blind chance, luck even, that brings us together. And as the poet says... The rest is history. Yeah, that scene is uh, with uh, Centauri, who plays is played by Robert Preston. Robert Preston, this is actually his last movie that he filmed and, and worked on. Uh, he died a few years later, unfortunately, but uh, he does a great job in this. I really like, uh, I think like Mark said too, I like Centauri, or yeah, he's, uh, yeah, sorry, I was almost going to say Grieg, Centauri a lot. Uh, he Just a great character, a great actor in this movie. Uh, Robert Preston does fantastic work there and just has some, you know, nice little tricks up his sleeve. And, oh, the car, by the way, the car that he's driving around, look closely at it, just like in Back to the Future. At the time, in the mid-80s or so, they used a uh, the base for Centauri's car is a DeLorean. I was surprised, you know, when it got really going fast, it didn't, you know, jump through time or something, too. But uh, it is, uh, yeah, they used a DeLorean because, you know, a DeLorean looked so spacey with that stainless steel construction and gullwing doors and and the kind of sloped shape that it had very very different kind of vehicle and uh, works well they've modified it quite a bit for this movie not even as much as they changed the look of it for back to the future but it is a delorean that they used for uh, centauri's car there so uh, anyway again uh, a fun part of the movie and a great character so uh, next up, let's play a uh, another clip from you guys. I think we're going to go with uh, Dan. Uh, oh, there's Kaylee again. Sorry. <laughs> She's all worked up this morning. Uh, anyway, this is Dan or Dangelis uh, from the forums and his comments about The Last Starfighter. Hi, Rico. Dan here. Dangelis on the forums. I'm also the host of Out of Range Podcast. 
Well, you're doing the last Starfighter. Now, you've caught me by surprise with this one, Rico, because when you decided to do this and I started looking for information on it, I thought, yeah, I know this film, I've seen it. So what I decided to do was re-watch it, or so I thought, to familiarise myself with what was happening so I could comment. And lo and behold, I found out I'd never seen the film. <laughs> I can't believe I've missed this one. It's a great film. And I think it sort of holds its own. You know, it's a little bit dated now. Well, considering it was made in, in 83, 84, I still think it holds up very well even today. There's a few things I do like about this film. First of all, the character of Alex and where he lives. You don't see this a lot in a lot of sort of teenage movies, uh, but the adults treat him with pretty much respect, you know. Yeah, he feels a little bit um, out of the loop in, in job-wise and things like that, and he's wanting, wanting to go to a good college and things. But as a person, I think they treat him they treat him quite well. You can't um, talk about this movie without mentioning the special effects. I thought they were brilliant. Considering this film is almost 30 years old, and it was one of the first, if not the first film, to use pretty much all CGI for the space scenes and the ship scenes, I think the special effects hold up pretty well to this day. Yeah, they look a bit dated. They look, you know, the, the polygons look a little bit old school but I don't think it ages the film that much because I feel that it fits in with the tone of the film. A big part of the the story has to do with the last Starfighter video game and it sort of fits in with that so it, it doesn't feel dated to me and this is going from the perspective of somebody who's only just watched it recently. The other special effects, the makeup I thought was pretty good as well, although the, the, the main aliens do look a little bit like um, the guys from Babylon 5. I don't know whether they um, were paying tribute to this movie when they designed those aliens or not, but they do look very similar. What can you say about the flying car? Well, it looks a lot like a DeLorean. I don't know whether that was intentional, but um, it just reminded me of, the, of a DeLorean, and I know they were a big craze at the, that's, that era. Um, with the gold wings and everything, but it, it just seemed to me that it, that's what they were going for. The story has um, been used in one form or another in many sci-fi and fantasy films over the years, but I've got to say, when I put it on, I was just relaxing, watching it, and it was a cool film to just switch your brain off a little bit to and have a bit of fun watching. So I'd just like to thank you, Rico, for uh, introducing me to this, and um, please don't take my geek card away for not having watched this one. <laughs> See you later. No, definitely, uh, we won't. Uh, we won't take your geek card away, Dan, uh, for not seeing this yet. And that's one of the reasons I do these podcasts like this, you know, because. Not only does it bring back some nice memories, I think, for people that have seen the movies, uh, but it also hopefully clues in some people that uh, may maybe never caught it uh, or are just a little younger and maybe have never had a chance to because, you know, it's not something on their radar. And it's definitely a wor worth a look back. And I think it's, like you said, a very enjoyable movie to see and and, and just watch. Uh, and it's it's got just a lot of charm to it. One of the things about the 
uh, Alex living in the trailer park thing uh, that they talk a little bit about in the making of the movie that I, I found very interesting and, and works very well is that they didn't want to make Alex living in just a nice house in, in a suburb somewhere in the United States. Like a lot of Spielberg's movies would just live in some subdivision. They wanted to have things a little bit not quite as pleasant and have him really uh, show that this is a, a good you know, he has really good reasons for wanting to get out of there and get get into uh, something a little bit more than his life is in the trailer park. Even though, like you said, it's it's uh, people treat him very well there. It's not like he's got problems or that the adults. And I, I I agree with you, and that's a very good point, Dan. That they that they do treat him well. He he's very well liked, and and, and the community there in the trailer park support him. But Alex does still want to do more with his life, and it, it just again just works so well, and and I love it so. Uh, thanks for your comment. Uh, very much appreciate it. And next up, we'll have another uh, clip from the movie itself. I think this is when Alec meets up with his uh, co-pilot uh, for their Starfighter uh, with Grieg, played by Dan O'Hirely. How do you say his name? Part, sorry. But anyway, a, a great actor, and uh, he plays Grieg in this movie. So listen to this. This is a restricted area, off limits to... <laughs> My apologies, Starfighter. <laughs> Star Navigator First Class Greg, got your service, sir. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alex Rogan. I was playing this game back home, and this guy came up to me. Well, he's not a guy, he's an alien, right? And I get into his car, only it's not a car, it's a spaceship. And, uh, there's been a big mistake. Am I to understand you're actually declining the honor of becoming a Starfighter? You got it. Extraordinary. For eons, all creatures have dreamt of being starfighters. Where are you from? Earth. And, uh, we're not at war with anybody except each other. Earth? Earth isn't a formal member of the Star League and isn't due to be approached until it matures. This is all highly irregular. Tell me, who recruited you? Centauri. There he is. That's him. Centauri? I might have known. Up to your old Excalibur tricks again, eh, Centauri? Did it ever occur to you that it's against the law to recruit from worlds outside the Star League? Earth's in danger too, isn't it? And no, I did not use the Excalibur test. It was called a video game. But what's all the brouhaha? After all, he does have the gift. This may come as a bit of a shock to you. But he doesn't want to be a starfighter. Doesn't want to be a... Are you a coward? Are you crazy? You didn't tell me about any of this. Return the money, Centauri. Return the money? Are you delirious? You know how long it took to invent the games, to merchandise them, to get them into the stores by Christmas? Yeah, that, uh, uh, I guess, uh, uh, one little side comment uh, about Grieg's character. He, he kind of looks like this lizard iguana, reptilian-type character. Uh, very much like Lou Gossett Jr.'s uh, makeup, similar to it that he had in Enemy Mine. I think it's a, an amazing job. He looks fantastic. They did his hands and his face and everything like that. And really, really great work on the makeup on him on this in this movie. And I guess when the two seasoned actors met each other, Robert Preston, who plays Centauri, and Dan O'Hirlihy, uh, who plays Grieg, when they met finally, they uh, they were like, you know, uh, Robert Preston said something to him like, uh, oh, yeah, I recognize you, even though he was in his full Grieg makeup. Or he said something like, you have one of those familiar faces or said something, you know, kind of jokingly to him. So those guys uh, were, you know, very seasoned pros. 
And, and I think the uh, the movie really benefits from the fact that you have both younger, less seasoned actors and some very, very older seasoned ones, much like, again, that uh, George Lucas did in Star Wars with Alec Guinness uh, playing Obi-Wan and then a fairly young actor, Mark Hamill, you know, playing, you know, Luke Skywalker. And, and it just it's a good balance and it works very well. And it works well here in The Last Starfighter, too. Uh, next up, we're going to play another clip from you guys. And this one's from Kenny, from Kenny from California, who I know uh, likes this movie a lot and his comments about uh, The Last Starfighter. Hey, Rico, it's Kenny from California. I'm also the host of Knights of the Guild podcast and the MASH 4077 podcast and my new one, Confessions of a Fanboy. Just thought I would send in some quick comments about The Last Starfighter. I mean, this movie is one of my all-time favorites. It's definitely in my top 10 of kind of like sci-fi, older sci-fi movies. I was 14 when this came out, and I mean, that's like the perfect age, you know, to be a young boy. Uh, watching this video game slash space movie. Um, there was just something about it. I mean, you know, we were just coming off of Star Wars and it had that little Star Wars flair and I was a huge fan of Star Wars, so of course I was going to eat this up. It had aliens and it had robots and it had spaceships and I just, I don't know, just something you can identify with the main character just being this, you know, everyday Joe in a small town who just happens to love video games and is, you know, he's uh, drafted into this alien battle just because he can play this video game uh, so well. So um, I just really enjoyed the story. I thought it was a lot of fun. You know, in 84, I mean, we had, you know, huge movies like Ghostbusters and Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom and Gremlins and Police Academy and Footloose and Star Trek Three. Romancing the Stone. I mean, there was huge movies, and I know this movie didn't do as well as some of those movies, but I think it definitely has a cult following that it's picked up over the years, and it's a definite must-see. I mean, if I see this on TV at any point, I will definitely it catch to my attention, and I will sit there the entire time and watch it. You know, I have it on DVD. Well, I have it on VHS, I have it on DVD, and now I just got it on Blu-ray. So I'm actually looking forward to watching the Blu-ray. I haven't had time to watch it yet, but I plan on watching that soon. But it's just one of those movies. That there's something about it that just it's fun. It's a fun movie. You know, it, it there's parts of it that doesn't make sense, and you know, things you have to overlook. But for the most part, it's just a fun, entertaining movie. I really enjoyed the, the what would they call it, that death blossom where he would hit that button and his ship would just spin in all directions and fire. That was one of the coolest effects. And another thing about this movie, which I'm sure Rico's going to be talking about, is that, you know, this was a very early uh, movie to take on CGI. You know, this is, uh, you know, Tron was already out and obviously Tron was a lot of CGI. But this is the, another movie that did... Instead of like Star Wars, who had Return of the Jedi that just had previously come out, that all that's practical effects. And this movie did a lot of CGI effects. So, you know, it, it was a forerunner for uh, movies, um, well, all movies now are CGI. So it was definitely a groundbreaking movie, well worth watching, so much fun. And I'm so glad you're doing a podcast on this movie because it is, like I said, one of my all-time favorites. And I can't wait to listen to it. So um, have a good day, and I'll talk to you later. Well, thank you very much, Kenny, for your comments. I, I knew this was a, a favorite of yours, and uh, so glad that he had a chance to send in some comments about The Last Starfighter. Yeah, it's just a great, nice, fun movie. Uh, some very cool effects. Uh, I just discovered something, too. 
if you go over to let me see what the uh, website address was i'll put this in the uh, the podcast notes for the week uh, but there is a, a downloadable free version of playing the last starfighter game uh, play being able to play it on your computer uh, this is over at roguesynapse.com. Uh, that's R-O-G-U-E, synapse, S-Y-N-A-P-S-E.com, forward slash games, forward slash last starfighter, last, and then underscore starfighter.php. <laughs> All that will be in the podcast notes, but they have a downloadable version of uh, you just uh, you can play uh, The Last Starfighter. I guess they never really officially made the game. It's kind of, uh, they, they, they trick you in the movie a little bit. Uh, but uh, it is, uh, they have a, a downloadable version. You can play what you, you know, you see Alex practicing on in the movie. Uh, you can play this now on, on the comfort of your computer. So check it out. I haven't had a chance. I just discovered this today. So uh, I haven't had a chance to try it or do anything with it. But check it out yourself. And uh, next up, we're going to play another clip. I think we're now getting into the mission with, uh, with, uh, Alex and, and Grieg out there about ready to go after the uh, the uh, Kodan Armada and all that. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, there are scenes, I didn't re- play a lot or record a lot of clips from these, but there's this sort of duplicate of Alex that takes his place on Earth when he's away off uh, fighting the bad guys, uh, this B unit that they call him. And uh, they, they guess audiences really responded to this, and it sort of added a, a comedic element slightly to the movie and made it a little different than just Alex going off and doing these missions. So they actually refilmed a few extra scenes and slipped them into the movie. They weren't going to put quite as much with the B unit in the movie at the beginning, but uh, I guess, again, test audiences liked it a lot, so they added a little bit more. And that's why you'll notice in the movie that Alex, uh, in different scenes when he's, you know, the Lance guest playing him, his hair looks a little different. You'll see his hair looks a little different uh, when he's playing the B unit in a few clips and a few scenes than it does in the rest of the movie. And that's because he had gotten a haircut and it changed because they filmed some of these other scenes later on. So they had to change, you know, make him look close to the way he looks in the movie. So anyway, here we go with uh, Grieg and uh, Alex out there heading out to the frontier. There's no fleet, no starfighters, no plan. One ship, you, me, and that's it? Exactly. Zer thinks you're still on Earth. Classic military strategy. Surprise attack. It'll be a slaughter. That's the spirit. No, my slaughter. One ship against the whole armada? Yes, one gun star against the armada. I've always wanted to fight a desperate battle against incredible odds. Target lights, Alex. Target lights? Yes. You might want to squeeze off a few runs while you have the chance. Just work the bugs out of the system. After all, it is her maiden voyage. Take your time. Watch your gun sights. Lead your targets. And above all, relax! Terrific. I'm about to get killed a million miles from nowhere with a gung-ho iguana who tells me to relax. Interstellar!
yeah, so they're heading out there testing things out. And they discover, you know, later on, of course, that they're like the last starfighter or, or sorry, they, they discover that they're the last starfighter available. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's cool because it's it's just them against the, you know, the bad guys and all that. And uh, Alex has to learn pretty quickly how to use the, the controls on the ship and all that good stuff. Uh, and uh, next up, let's play a uh, one more clip from you guys and another listener this is from Darmok, and uh, he has got some comments about this movie as well. So take it away, Darmok. Ritana, Ritana. Oh, my boy, Centauri is so excited this week. Actually, it's not Centauri, it's Darmok. And I am in the middle of Hurricane Irene. Not so excited about that, but definitely excited about Rico covering The Last Starfighter, one of my favorite 80s films. You know, back in the day, in order to get my computer animation fix, I would have to go to specific computer animation festivals. This would be like in the late 70s, throughout the 80s and the early 90s and would have to go to these festivals where Pixar would pretty much dominate with movies like Tin Toy, Red's Dream, Luxo Jr., that kind of thing. So when I had actually heard that there was going to be a full-length feature film that was going to have computer animation and not miniatures in it, uh, I, was, I was excited. And this was also when I'd heard about uh, the Cray supercomputer, uh, military industrial complex strength uh, computing power applied to computer animation. Uh, there was just there was just an excitement uh, at around that time uh, that that I just could not contain. And so when I went to the movie theater and actually saw the the movie, I was I was really impressed. I was very impressed. And one of the things that sticks with me in the movie, uh, in in terms of the the effects, is the 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 minefield. There's just a few seconds where you see the mines lined up in a grid and the camera kind of dollies just ever so slightly, and you get this sort of, I'm not sure if I, if I would call it vertigo or some kind of inner ear thing, but it, uh, it, I just had gotten an interesting, almost physical feeling by, by watching that. Uh, I'd never seen anything uh, like that before. Now, The Last Starfighter was significant uh, in that, and also significant in the fact that it had Robert Preston as Centauri. And uh, I must admit, he did kind of, uh, he did kind of harken back to uh, Harold Hill. Uh, but great movie, great movie. Um, it was a little Star Wars inspired. The script was a, a little weak, but there was a certain magic to it. I enjoyed uh, Lance Guest as Alex, and there were also a bunch of uh, a bunch of character actors and actresses in it uh, who uh, you know you'd seen in, in in other things before. Although I was a little annoyed by the Otis character, you know, it's a sparkling day. It's gonna be a sparkling day. Um, now I was interested in acting. 
uh, when, uh, when I was a young man back in the 70s. Uh, but the thing that kept me from going into it was that I would have either have had to have been that guy or a huggy bear or drug dealer or some kind of low life because that's what they had black people do in media back then. Um, and also, um, <laughs> I, I didn't go into stand-up comedy uh, because I would have been expected to do those white people the funny jokes. And I wasn't really ready to go there either. Um, I had more of a, a Woody Allen storytelling vibe uh, about me in, in terms of the stand-up comedy. But we're not talking about me. We're talking about The Last Starfighter. Um, now, Zor, the villain of the movie, was certainly no Darth Vader. Um, I guess he, he, you could pretty much characterize him as a spoiled brat of a child who had a lot of technology, uh, people in low places, and uh, firepower. Uh, but I guess what made the villains uh, threatening in that movie was just the fact that they were simply but ugly. Um, but other than that, um, whenever The Last Starfighter is shown on television, I will stop and watch it. There is something magical to that movie. Uh, it, it was, you know, at the, at the, um, in the heyday of, of video games, when video games were starting to become really popular. And, and I remember when new video games would come out, uh, I would be excited and run down to the arcade. Now, you know, now these days, you know, you just load it on your computer and you can play really amazing video games. But back in those days, in order to see state-of-the-art um, uh, video games and animation, you had to actually go to an arcade. And I remember even, like, the, the, when the Don Bluth, uh, what was it, the, uh, the Dragon Slayer, uh, uh, video game came out. I was I was excited to go see it. I didn't want to pump a lot of quarters into it to uh, to uh, to play it, but uh, it was definitely interesting because the technology was evolving, and that's what was going on with the last Starfighter. It would be years before we would get a full-length feature film like Toy Story, which I actually watched uh, tonight. As I as I well last night as I speak, um, it's about. 2.30, o'clock or so um, in, in the morning, and um, my daughter and uh, girlfriend and I were watching Toy Story and talking about all the toys we owned back in the day. Um, but The Last Starfighter came at an interesting point uh, in the evolution of uh, computer graphics, and I will always, always appreciate uh, that movie on a lot of different levels. Anyway, if you haven't seen it recently, go get your DVD or Netflix or whatever you have to do to watch The Last Starfighter. Uh, it's a magical movie. Uh, get some popcorn and a loved one and uh, just uh, enjoy. As I will enjoy this podcast, Rico. Back to you.
All right, Darmok, thanks very much for your comments on The Last Starfighter. Yeah, it's a great movie, a great, uh, real real groundbreaking for the time, and just always fun to watch again, like you said. So uh, let's get back to the film itself. Uh, we've just got a couple clips left to play from the film. Here is one from During the Final Battle. Basically, uh, they kind of hide out, which I think is kind of a cool idea, and then they eventually uh, sort of come up behind the whole armada that's trying to invade, and they end up having to use the, the Death Blossom, which is a cool effect. I like that idea. And, and it kind of a, something unique in that they don't do in other, or haven't done a lot in other movies, where just basically the ship spins around and, and uh, it, it shoots in all different directions. It's one of the things that I liked about this movie. They You get a little bit more of a sense, and Darmok, I think, mentioned it too. You, you get a little bit of a sense of the three-dimensionality of space and space fights and, and battles and things like that with that little chair that Alex swings around in and, and the ship spins spiraling around when it shoots off the death blossom you get a again a better feel that that actually there are multiple dimensions all around you in space and they have to fight that way so anyway here's a here's that clip from the movie of the final battle of four of the last starfighter great my weapons are gone should i do it easy easy wait till they're all in death blossom rage We actually did, didn't we? The command ship! Our guns are out. Damage control's repairing them. Forget the guns! Burning speed! Craig, we need power! Death Blossom's drained all power. I'm working on it. I'm trying to, to run boost. All we have left is life support power. Yeah, good, good stuff, and they, of course, managed to save the day and, and uh, destroy all the bad guys, so it's great. And I've just got, again, one one more clip here, I think. This is when Alex returns home 
to the trailer park and tries to get his girlfriend Maggie uh, to uh, come back with him uh, to you know to live out there in space and fight the bad guys as they appear. And uh, at first she's hesitant, but of course she, you know this is the kind of feel good movie it is. You of course have to have a happy ending. So listen to this, and uh, I'll come back with some final thoughts and one more uh, listener comment for this movie. You should be proud of Alex, Mrs. Rogan. You must all be proud of him. He saved the Star League and hundreds of worlds, including Earth. Oh, for heaven's sake. God. Time to leave, Alex. Alex? I have to, Ma. They they need me up there. Oh, Alex. I always knew you'd leave someday, but I, I never expected this. Gee, can I go too, Alex? Can I? Sorry, Squirt. There's only enough room up there for me, Grig, and Maggie. Me? Yeah. Alex, I, I don't think what? I can... Come here. Come here. Why else do you think I came back? Well... Didn't I... we say we'd always be together? Well, yeah. I mean, together here or in the city. But not there, Alex. Max, you gotta come. See, I'm not... I don't, I don't know when I'm gonna be back. Don't you see? This is it. This is our big chance. It's like when Otis says... When it comes, you gotta grab on with both hands and hold tight. Well, what about Granny, Alex? You're right. I'm scared of leaving here. Why can't you just stay? Maggie, I have to leave. And I want you to come with me. Alex! Hurry! Well, I gotta go. Um. <sighs> Bye. Alex, we can't hold off their radar any longer. Yeah, okay. I can do it, Ma. Bye. Bye Take it easy. So long. So long, everybody. Sure and right, or whatever it is they do up there. Alex! Wait, Alex! Lois! Lois! Greetings, Starfighter. 
you have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Zor and the Kodan Armada. Yeah, so the movie really ends well. I, I love how it all comes together. I like the fact that, uh, you know, unlike in a lot of movies where they try to keep things secret, you know, where Alex, they just land the ship right there at the trailer, good old trailer park. And, uh, you know, you've got uh, all the all the people from the all the different characters coming out to see him. And they, they you know, this isn't just something they try to keep, uh, uh, you know, quiet or anything like that. They just go, yep, there's the ship. And then you get Alex's little brother who goes off and tries to use, you know, the last Starfighter machine, wants to kind of follow in his brother's footsteps. But as uh, Alex and Maggie and Greg go off to the into the you know, atmosphere into the clouds and fly away. And then it just ends with Craig Saffon's, you know, great music. Uh, a little bit more on that, uh, that I was just reading about a little bit. He used a, uh, a fairly large orchestra, including six trumpets, six trombones to use the, uh, uh you know, to play uh, some of the pieces for this soundtrack that he created. Uh, it, it's just really well done. Uh, there's a couple different versions of the soundtrack that that were released. It looks like the last one was in 1995 by a company called Intrada, and it was an expanded album of the soundtrack for the this film. So check out uh, you know some of the sites online and eBay, and perhaps you can pick that up. I think again they're not actively printing this album anymore, but you may be able to download it in places that I'll have to look. I'll look after um, and and clue you in after I play this next last clip about this uh, you know just great movie and again overall i love the last starfighter i hope i've uh you know you guys have learned a few things about it and just enjoyed listening to some clips and and some audio comments from our listeners but we've got one more to play this is from rick moyer and i think he's got a new song for us as well so listen to this and then i'll come back with some uh, just a couple more little things on the soundtrack and the movie itself and, and we'll wrap up today's show so here's rick moyer and uh his uh thoughts about this just great 80s movie Hey, Rico, this is Rick Moyer from Aberdeen, Washington. Moyer777 on the forums, the host or co-host of Taking With You. My wife Amy and I do that podcast. And, uh, wow, The Last Starfighter. I can't say enough about this movie. It is one of my all-time favorites. I was so blessed the other day, well, other day, other month <laughs> or so, to uh, pick it up on Blu-ray at my local Walmart, uh, it was on sale, and it was—it's just a fantastic DVD. What a what an amazing story! I mean, I think every one of us that is a geek that loves science fiction wanted to be Alex. I mean, not only did he uh, get to play a video game that prepared him and trained him for going into space and and fighting and using a you know a starship and and you know and shooting lasers and all that cool stuff but he had a really nice girlfriend and and it just it was just such a cool and an amazing movie it was just so well done and uh what i thought was really cool not not just the the technical end of it where they use the, the you know the first movie to really use cgi like it did and have all those cool effects 
I mean, they look kind of cheesy now, but but at the time they were just amazing, especially when it was all computer generated, and we were just blown away by that. But it there was a warmth about the movie that made you love it and made you love the characters, and you could I can watch the movie over and over and over. It just it was such an epic show. So I decided that I would write an original song for it. I didn't I didn't think of any parodies that I wanted to do. I just kind of wanted to write a tribute to it. My favorite part of the whole movie is the video game when it starts up and it says, you know, um you know, greeting starfighter. I love that. I just I just think that's so cool. And so I wrote a song and uh I think everybody will enjoy it. And I want you to to kick back, close your eyes, and uh, think of the 80s, because that's how I wrote it. And, and, you know, that's when the movie came out. So enjoy this. um, And you can get this over at StarTrekParodies.com. It's all free. And enjoy the song. And here it is. It's called Get Ready, Prepare for Blast Off. Thanks, Rico, for everything you do. You're awesome. Treks and Sci-Fi rocks. Greetings, Starfighter. You have been recruited by the Star League. To defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. Get ready. Prepare for blast In a dusty trailer park, I'm waiting. My destiny to be served. Starfighter 
Oh, Rick, just so much talent you have. I, I, I always n- never quite know how to, you know, say that I'm just amazed how much you can come up with in a in such a short time. And, you know, I know that some songs go easier and take you longer or sorry, take less time and others take more. But yeah, it was just a fantastic song, such a great tribute to a great movie. And I, I thought this was one that you really would enjoy, uh, you know, movie. I, I think we've talked to, or it's come up a couple other times again throughout the years of doing Treks in sci-fi, but I, I'm just really happy that you uh, had time to do a new song that's great over at StarTrekParodies.com. So check out Rick's site and download some other great free music, and he's just a fantastic guy, and I, I can't say enough about how much uh, I appreciate his contribution and everyone else who had a chance to send in comments this week. You guys rocked, and uh, you really made the show uh, you know, fleshed it out and, and, and everyone had their own little take and perspective and, and thoughts and, and likes of the movie. And, and again, I, I think this is a, the kind of movie that really appeals to people like us, people that kind of wish when we were, you know, growing up and wherever we happened to be, that there would have been a little machine and a little arcade machine there and you'd throw in a quarter and next thing you know, some guy would come by in a, in a, in a cool hat and in a funny car and want to switch, you know, sweep you up and, and, and take you off to the stars and have you fight the bad guys and uh, and bring your, your girlfriend along too. Yeah, this is just, uh, the movie's just great. It's just got everything. I, I actually don't have it on Blu-ray yet, but I think I'm going to hop over to Amazon right now and buy it on Blu-ray. I, I, I've been meaning to. There's a lot of a lot of DVDs that I own that I have not replaced on Blu-ray yet. And this was uh, this one, I think, has gone to the top of my list. So I, I hope everyone's enjoyed this look at The Last Starfighter. Just a great movie, a lot of fun, and I, I hope you uh, you enjoy it. And, and if you haven't seen it, I hope this has really intrigued you and made you want to go uh, watch it right now. Uh, that's about it for this week's show. Trying to keep things moving along and and and. and tight and you know as much as i can but the uh uh you know there's no real collectible reviews right now for me this week or no one uh has uh brian brian has sent in anything lately (laughs) i don't know if he got something new that he hasn't talked about yet though so uh i'm not sure but i know he's got something really cool coming so i'm looking forward to hearing about that uh oh i am on the collectible front i will say that i am uh starting to build or or collect the parts that i need to build it uh a farnsworth from that cool uh, sci-fi show uh warehouse 13 i've got uh three of the pieces right now i've got the case finally and the faceplate and the the large round lens if you know the show you know what I'm talking about. Got to get some electronics and a few other little things for it, and I'll be, be able to put that together soon. So I will be talking about that at some point in the future once I get things going more on it and get it built and all. And I know QMX Online, the QMX collectible company, has got a uh, Farnsworth, a hero version one that has some lights and sounds now available. It's $400. And they also have a Tesla from the show, which is like $1,000 or more, $1,100, something like that. <laughs> crazy, crazy expensive. Uh, they they just they put out some nice stuff, but some of the stuff they, they the price tags they put on it, I really really wanted a a, a Colonial Viper uh, from Battlestar that they are doing a really awesome looking one with electronics and everything, but I just don't know it's it's pretty darn expensive so. Uh, but that's it for Treks and Sci-Fi this week. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, if you uh, get a chance, put a review over on iTunes, or if you'd like, send a donation via PayPal. Uh, links to that stuff is on the treksandsci-fi.com website, or just go over to treksf.com, and that will direct you to the, the main site as well. So thanks again, you guys. You guys, uh, I really appreciate all of your comments uh, by audio or email or whatever. And if you're not a forum member, you should be, because next week we are going to have a special anniversary show for treks in sci-fi yes it's going to be the sixth 
six. I started in 2005 now, 346 podcasts later, and uh, it is uh, still going, and I, I don't feel like stopping anytime soon. Uh, I'm still enjoying the heck out of it, so it uh, it's uh, going to be a lot of fun. We're going to do the uh, the show next week, the live uh, anniversary show, which I try to do. I've got a new HD uh, webcam to use for the show, so you're going to see me Rico dance even in high def this year. <laughs> I'm not sure what we're really going to talk about. It's probably just going to be kind of a grab bag show, whatever comes to mind. I don't have a real subject in mind. But if you guys feel like sending any audio comments about, you know, what you've enjoyed of Treks and Sci-Fi over the years or this year or anything in particular that you want to send in for the show, I'll try to play those uh, during the show. It's going to be live via Ustream, and I am setting the time now. It's going to be at 1 o'clock. I'm going to do it at 1 o'clock next Sunday, whatever date that is, September something. Let me think probably September, I think, uh, let's see, one, two, three, probably the 5th of September, I think. Don't hold me to that, but it'll be next Sunday. I think it's September 5th, and we're going to do it at 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. I'm going to start. So uh, the links and info for that will be over on the forum and also on the main treksinsci-fi.com website. Or if you're ever wondering how to do all that, uh, just go to uh, and send me an email, treksf at gmail.com. So that's it for this week, folks. And I'll probably be talking about the upcoming September schedule, too, uh, next week's uh, live streaming Ustream uh, anniversary show. Hopefully we'll uh, also have some contests and some prizes too so that'll be fun i always like that and uh i'll see you all there i hope uh, in the chat room uh and uh for you stream on the live show and uh until then take care everyone uh batten down the hatches if you're in the path of hurricane irene or start cleaning up and pumping out your basements if it's passed over already <laughs> take care everyone hope you enjoyed today's show i'll talk to you again next week bye bye In 1984, Universal and Lorimar presented The Last Starfighter. Greetings, Starfighter. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Sur and the Kodan Armada. Get ready. Prepare for blast off. I played Alex Rogan, a kid from an isolated mountain trailer park who's recruited to fight in an interstellar war when he breaks the record on a seemingly ordinary video game. Hi, I'm Lance Guest. All of us who worked on The Last Starfighter were drawn to its charming story, its witty dialogue, and its tongue-in-cheek treatment of good old-fashioned space adventure fantasy, all of which formed the base of its continuing popularity. But if there's one element that earns a distinctive place in cinema history, it's the film's groundbreaking use of computer-generated visual effects. So now, Let's cross the galaxy to that war-torn planet of Rylos and hear from director Nick Castle and the rest of the artists that crossed another frontier that led to the amazing new world of digital effects technology. Long before technology enters the scene, there's always the idea, the story, and the writer. I was a junior copywriter at an advertising agency in New York. And uh, I would find myself with large blocks of time between account meetings or whatever. And uh, I, was, I, I started writing screenplays. It was funny because one day I was on my lunch break and uh, I kind of wandered into one of these video arcades. And I saw this young boy playing with a video game and uh, I was 
at the time also reading The Once and Future King by White. And, you know, it suddenly occurred to me, in a bolt from the blue or whatever, what if a video game was like a sword in the stone and the boy pulled the sword from the stone and some boy scored an incredible uh, number on this video game and it sent out a ripple effect across the universe. And Nick came in with about 100 ideas on what to do with the film. And I was really impressed with him and I don't think I met anybody after, after I met with Nick because I kind of at that point felt he was the right guy for the movie. Jonathan had said it in Suburbia, kind of a, a Steven Spielberg um, poltergeist, even E.T. world, which was, I thought, too derivative of those works. So we looked for a different place and also a more secluded place. Suburbia seemed kind of too comfortable a background to have the boy want to evolve from. But if you show a boy wanting to kind of leave a trailer park under very modest circumstances, the, the, the sympathy level, you know, your heart goes out to kids like that a little more. It just always made so much sense that you had a kid who felt trapped and really wanted a better life for himself and looked metaphorically to the stars. And the place we found, it had the store that was already there. It had these levels, um, a place where Otis, the store manager, and kind of the manager of the place, it seems, is, uh, lives in this little place. And it's some kind of funky stairs that go down to the main uh, spread where all the, uh, all the trailers are there. And uh, so Jim, I know, did a, a lot of maneuvering of the trailers and uh, brought in a couple of things and we did a lot of dressing to give it a real sense of Americana. And the trailer park also provided, I think, the opportunity for Nick to do what he does best, which are create eccentric little characters and, and a funny little neighborhood. I'm gonna miss my soap! Oh, stop. I think you see a certain amount of the charm and schmaltz of a Hollywood musical in there. Um, without the music. The primary design element was uh, was the sign. It had the Starlight, Starbright trailer park. And while it looks a little bit like a bowling alley sign, it still, I think, had uh, a degree of resonance for the plot. You've been listening to For more information, visit TrexInSciFi.com. Write to Rico today at treksf at gmail.com. That's treksf at gmail.com. Set a course for Earth. Maximum wall. Copyright 2011. All rights reserved. I'm Captain Kirk. Treks in sci-fi. At ease before you sprain something. Your weekly dose of kinky goodness. And entertainment news. This mission would have failed without your help. I won't be speaking. It's the podcast where no one has podcasted before. Captain Cardassians yet. Not with, we're not done with the Cardassians yet. Not with the strategic importance of that world. Thanks for joining us for Treks in Sci-Fi. Treks in Sci-Fi.